This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. But uh, favorite Thanksgiving food. How about I just go with either the turkey or the ham? I mean, either one. You can't go wrong with either one of those. So, go. See, this is why Wondell Robinson, a receiver, has 23 carries, second most on the team in the non-quarterback division, of course, and leads the team with 21 receptions. He can do both. As for his, his favorite Thanksgiving food, he says turkey and ham. Such versatility. Unless he was talking about Nebraska's quarterback situation entering Iowa City for its Black Friday matchup against Iowa. Huskers appear to have two options for the main course there as well. We'll get into all of that. Try to talk through how the Huskers bounce back from a rough week against Illinois. You're listening to the I-80 Preview Podcast. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. Wanted to kick off the first half here this week by saying, hope you either have or, or had a happy Thanksgiving, all things considered. Depending on when you're listening to this, you might even be cooking that bird right now. If so, enjoy the process. Trust the process. Um, on that note, before we get into the football, I need to go on a small a small food rant. Um, every year around this time, you see people out there on social media. I've seen it on sports shows. Putting out the the, the turkey turkey is actually turkey is bad. Take um, drives me drives me a little bit crazy. Because they think it's some sort of contrarian position, but but everyone actually agrees on this. You've never met anyone whose favorite food is turkey. Turkey ceiling isn't that high. It's just it, it's not. But turkey's fine. It's it's a mid three star prospect. It's dad. It's uncle. It's grandfather. They all played at Thanksgiving. You you as the coach at T Give University now need to have a really good reason not to offer an item like that a, a spot at your table. A lot of times what you see with this faux contrarian take is not a turkey guy, I prefer ham. This is also not contrarian. Of course, every, everyone prefers ham. Ham, on the other hand here, has an extremely high ceiling, but it also has a low floor. Really good artisan ham. Something cared for for months, maybe even years at some dirty old smokehouse in the South somewhere. That's, that's a five-star prospect. You can get that and, and it'll be great. You should prefer that to, to Turkey. The problem is the waterlogged ham that you find at the local mega Mart, which was really the, the part, the ham that I had anytime we had ham at Thanksgiving, that's more like a two, two-star prospect. You can glaze it, you know, pour some Coke or Dr. Pepper over it and, and pin some pineapples to it. And it'll look and, and taste pretty nice. You'll get a, a savory and sweet thing going on there. But once you've had the five-star ham, it only serves to remind you that, yeah, this isn't what it could be. That's the difference in this, this kind of silly non-debate, I think. Thanksgiving ham isn't getting close 
to maximizing its potential. Most Thanksgiving turkey I've had, however, is close to its ceiling because it's a once a year type of thing. It's all about development. You've got to put the time in, you've got to brine it, add some aromatics. With a little bit of investment, you're close to maximizing what turkey can be. So unless you're consistently signing five-star hams at Thanksgiving U, don't, don't besmirch turkey for just being pretty good. Or be like Wandale and appreciate both. Iowa football. Now, now there's a program that has its turkey recipe down. A kitchen renowned for its development and execution. That's, that's what the Hawkeyes are. Um, and, and they're playing really good football of late as, as Nebraska heads there for a traditional, quote-unquote, Black Friday matchup that feels almost anything but. Let's, let's actually get into the football portion of the show here. Uh, <laughs> the reason you're all here, instead of bizarre Thanksgiving food takes and griping, uh, with, with three players to watch for the Hawkeyes on Friday against Nebraska. I seem to do this each week where I say three players to watch and then I cheat. Um, But I'm going to do that again. And and top of my list are Tyler Goodson and Mekhi Sargent. Those are Iowa's top two running backs. And both are are cheating at a really high level. They're kind of interchangeable a little bit. Goodson gets a majority of the carries, averaging 5.46 yards every time he gets it. Sargent's at 6.44 yards again on, on, a, on a few fewer carries, but both have six touchdowns against Penn state. The Hawkeyes got into the red zone and they could just hand it off. And one of those guys would, would bust through. That's going to be big for Nebraska in, in this one. They're going to have to find a way to, to slow down that run game. And it's a pretty welcome development. I would think in, in Iowa city um, past few years under offensive coordinator, Brian Ference, Kirk Ference's son, uh, the run game has been disappearing, which is which is a kind of unthinkable when you think about the brand of football that Iowa has traditionally played. This year, however, it's it's back. It's a problem for for opposing defenses, and it's something Nebraska is going to have to keep a pretty close eye on on Friday. Number two on my list for the Hawkeyes is defensive tackle Davion Nixon. He leads Iowa with eight and a half tackles for loss. That includes four sacks, which is also tops on the team. I really wanted to mention him here, though, as, as special recognition for his amazing pick six last week. Yes, defensive tackle had a had a pick six. Uh, he picked off a swing pass against Penn State late in the game, which which really ended it. Um, and it wasn't an easy pass. He, he had to he caught it over an offensive lineman who was trying unsuccessfully to to block him. Leapt up and caught it and, and took off towards the end zone. The best part of this, though, and, and why he definitely made the list for me this week. He straight up Euro stepped Sean Clifford uh, to to complete that play. Like, pull it up wherever you need to pull it up. Go back and find that. It was a freakishly athletic play and uh, highly amusing, which is which is always good and worth a mention. Last, so this one's this one's a bit interesting, but for the Hawkeyes, I don't think you can can kind of get around it, even though his numbers are a bit down from what they were a year ago, but. Wide receiver, Amir Smith-Marset. You probably know the name. He had that kickoff return against Nebraska last year. Um, that was that was really key after Cam Taylor-Britt had, had picked off a pass and returned it for a touchdown that, that looked like it saved the game for Nebraska a little bit in the, the first half a year ago in Lincoln. 
then of course they give up the kickoff return and, and we're basically back to back to zero with that one. Uh, Smith Marset also scored <laughs> scored a rushing, receiving, and return touchdown in last year's bowl game. He's he's that kind of guy. As I mentioned, I was I was kind of struggling to get him the ball a little bit, um, but he's still super dangerous and a guy who can hurt you in all three of those phases. So Nebraska will have to to be ready for him, and I'm sure they are are well aware of of where he's at and what he's capable of entering this game. Flip it around to to Nebraska with the three players to watch. I'll go number one, uh, linebacker Will Honus. He's going to have to be great in this game to hold up against against Iowa's run game, and it's it's going to be a pretty heavy load. At least it has the potential. Um, Colin Miller, of course, had the the scary injury against Illinois last week. Looks like he's going to. It's it's not as bad as it looked. Anytime they you know bring the stretcher out on the field. Yeah, you get pretty concerned pretty quickly. Um, but it looks like he'll he'll be okay. He probably won't play again this year, which wouldn't you know it, it, that's that's a big loss. Uh, Coach Frost said it after the game. He's been perhaps Nebraska's best leader this season. He's a guy who's up there almost every week for the press conferences, and you get that sense just listening to him talk. Uh, he he does things the right way and was playing pretty well. So is Honus, um, and he's going to have to continue that because Luke Reimer, who would be the natural, the natural replacement for for Miller, was a little bit dinged up, and his status was uncertain as we entered Friday. Second for the Huskers, tight end Austin Allen. He's been really good. Robinson has more catches, but Allen has nearly matched him in yards on, on just twelve receptions. He's emerging as one of Nebraska's best options in the pass game. And, and the Huskers are really going to need that on Friday. Uh, the passing game, as, as we'll get to in the second half when we look a little closer at the keys to the game here, uh, the passing game is going to have to be a big part of it, I think, perhaps unfortunately for, for Nebraska based on what we've seen. But Austin Allen is emerging as a, a sure option at a, at a time when Nebraska desperately needs them. Third on the list this week, I'm going to go with quarterback Adrian Martinez. I don't know if he's going to start. I don't know what his role will be on Friday. Um, but I think he has to have one against the Hawkeyes. I, I'm certain of that. In fact, I, I would be a little bit surprised if he didn't get the start. But we'll get into to all of that as, as we go through here. Um, there's just – it's – it's a tough path to victory for Nebraska in this one. And I think with, with what the offense will be asked to do, Adrian Martinez might give Nebraska a little bit better shot with that throw it to rusty Dawkins. You can find him at Husker weather on Twitter for your Black Friday forecast for Iowa City. This is meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with Hale Varsity for the I-80 Preview Podcast. And the forecast this time is for Iowa. Now, Iowa City's 300 miles east. It takes about four and a half hours to get there on I-80. And weather-wise, well, it's not too different. It's not too far north or south compared to Lincoln, so it's about the same. And average for Iowa City this time of year, lower and middle 40s for highs, middle 20s for lows overall. We're going to be pretty close to those numbers on Friday. Now, early Friday morning, 
We'll start off with a few clouds here and there, but overall, I think we'll see lots of sunshine throughout the day. A little bit of a northwest breeze in the morning and temperatures close to the freezing mark. Now, by kickoff, which is at noon uh, for this game, we'll have warmed up a little bit. We should be pushing into the lower 40s by then. Uh, Fewer clouds. I I think we'll see mostly sunny skies and that light northwest breeze sticks around. By halftime, more sunshine. We'll call it mostly sunny. It won't warm us up much, though. I think we're stuck in the 40s all day, which, again, is pretty close to normal and not too shabby with those temperatures in the middle 40s, that's just about average. Uh, The wind will continue to not be an issue and will be light out of the northwest. By the end of the game, we do start to cool off some, but I think we'll hang on to the 40s for much of the game. We'll see plenty of sunshine and that northwest breeze at 5 to 15 miles per hour. So hour by hour, uh, just to kind of recap, kickoff, partly cloudy, temperatures in the lower 40s and that northwest breeze. By halftime, mostly sunny. Temperatures in the middle 40s, really a nice day for a football game. We've kind of had a lot of those lately, and a northwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. By the end of the game, still more sunshine and temperatures in the middle 40s. You can always check on the latest forecast on hailvarsity.com, and you can always check on my Twitter feeds. That's RustyWX and Husker Weather. Okay, that was a briskly moving first half, which, you know, anytime you play a team like Iowa can actually can actually be the case. We'll see if that's exactly how things unfold on Friday. But the second half, the second half is going to be in terminal. It's going to be penalty filled, a lot of stoppages to play, a lot of scores. So we'll do the annoying thing where we touch down commercial kickoff commercial back to play. Just kidding. We won't won't actually do that, but got a lot to get to here in the second half. In fact, I had to defer the typical opening segment to the second half to make make room for my talent theory of turkey and ham. So we'll we'll start this second stanza here with what Vegas is saying about this game or has said about this game. Uh, Iowa opened as a 12-point favorite on the opening line from Circus Sports. That makes sense. The Hawkeyes are, are, are playing really well right now, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Could very easily be 5-0 and and really the favorite to to win the West, if not for two close losses to open the season. The line was up to 13 or 14 points most places by by midweek. And that's a little bit even closer to what SP Plus would have this game at, a power ranking we look at each week. SP Plus ranks Iowa 15th right now with a rating of 16.2 points better than the average F- FBS team. Nebraska plummeted after playing poorly last week. It dropped 21 spots to to 56th. Its rating fell from 7.7 points to 2.6. That's the second biggest drop under Frost. Um, the, The largest was following the 2018 loss to Troy. So that's kind of territory we're dealing with here. SP Plus is 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 not a resume based system. It is not a place where you'll typically see um, teams really drop that significantly. Like you, you've really got to play poorly or play really well to see those types of losses and gains. And that's what that's what Nebraska did. You know, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, talked about it on this podcast. Nebraska lost to Northwestern, and its ranking actually or its rating actually rose a little bit. So that's why I like SP plus. That's why I think it's worth looking at each week. Um, so take those two numbers that we, we mentioned for Iowa and Nebraska, those ratings, and you're getting a line here from, from SP plus of about Iowa minus 15 and a half 
so a little bit more than where the actual betting line was at. FPI was about a point higher than that, so 16 and a half, based on where it had these two teams ranked entering Friday. So that's that's where we're at. Um, Iowa's ascending. Nebraska, I wouldn't say is in free fall. It's just in a pretty uncertain place, which gets underscored by the fact that, you know, you're halfway through year three now, and, and that uncertainty is still there, and it probably gets magnified a little bit beyond beyond what it actually is. How do the Huskers hang in this game? I actually think they have a pretty good shot to do so. I don't feel confident in it, but I feel like the the their ability to do, I don't feel confident. I'm not saying, yes, I, I'm taking Nebraska here and... I don't know. There's there's too much uncertainty around the team and too much consistent uncertainty to really feel good about that. But but I think all of the motivation for Nebraska to come out and play really well should be there. The last two games against Iowa have been settled on field goals near the end of the game, so you can use that. And you can you you've got to you've got to be able to use that Illinois game as bad as it was, as as big of a, of a miss as it was in really every aspect of that game, you know, y- you hope that the players and coaches were able to to turn that into a little bit of fuel for this week because this I know people get people get tired of of, of hearing it, but for as bad as last week was, that wasn't like a true representation of where I think Nebraska is actually at. It is not get smoked by Illinois bad. I think this week you have a chance against a a good opponent who's, who's playing really well. Um, I I understand like this, this Iowa team is, is not a joke. Um, But I think you'll see something closer to, to Nebraska's kind of true ability here. And that should, well, we'll see. It, it could be enough to, to keep Nebraska in the game. They're going to need to catch a couple of breaks. How does Nebraska win this game on Friday? Last week, the Huskers did not <laughs> did not follow any of the, the three points that I, I typically lay out each week as, as kind of keys to the game. Uh, they An early deficit, uh, fumbling on the first play and, and setting up Illinois with a 15-yard field effectively uh, will do this to you, but Nebraska couldn't really be patient offensively because it was in such an early, early hole. Um, so that one was kind of out the window. Noted that Illinois is a big play offense. Nebraska struggled with that quite a bit, particularly in the in the first half. But to, to be fair, they weren't stopping Illinois on a down-by-down basis either. Um, the efficiency and the explosiveness were were really bad for the, the black shirts last week. And then the middle eight, um, Nebraska, as it has tended to do since since 2018, really uh, lost the quote unquote middle eight, the the four minutes around halftime in in the second and third quarter. Almost got a stop on that first third quarter drive until we saw the the most hilarious fake punt that I've seen in quite a while. That first down allowed Illinois to bleed eight minutes off the clock. And the game was, I mean, the game was already tilted severely in Illinois' favor prior to that, but that pretty much put put it all the way on tilt for the, the Huskers. So 
not great last week. Hopefully it'll be a little bit better this week. Uh, the, the first thing I'm looking for Nebraska to do, or at least I think it really has to do, um, to, to stick with Iowa and, and potentially come away with a win. I'm hesitant to say it this way, but it, it, it is what it is. We need to see something we haven't seen yet from Nebraska's passing game, which might seem like kind of an impossible key as if, as if we're setting them up for failure, but that, that that's really it. Um, offensively, these two teams are, are, are virtually the same from a, from a statistical standpoint. Nebraska in success rate ranks 34th nationally. It's still good on that. Um, like down to down, like they, they stay ahead of schedule. They get behind the chains and it becomes an, an outright problem. Iowa ranks 42nd in the same category on offense. Nebraska is 16th in rushing success rate. Iowa's 14th. Nebraska's 68 in passing success rate. Iowa's 89th. Explosive plays. Nebraska hasn't had enough of those. Ranks 59th nationally, which is just about average. Iowa hasn't had enough of those. <laughs> ranks 63rd. In fact, the, the percentage difference here for explosive plays percentage, Nebraska's offense is at 15.1. Iowa's is at 15.0. The key difference, of course, with these two teams, Iowa has a typically tough defense. Nebraska's remains a, a work in progress. So you go through that with, with Iowa's defense, and it, and it looks pretty stereotypi- stereotypically Hawkeye in, in a lot of ways. Um, they're good at keeping teams off schedule, ranked 30th in success rate, 15th against the run, 12th on standard downs. So those are those, those on-schedule downs when, when an offense technically has the advantage. Iowa's defense is top 20 in terms of winning those plays. The, the, like, the, the curious thing here, here, however, is on passing downs, which, which are not passing plays necessarily. We're just talking about down and distance here. Um, but downs where a defense should have an advantage and because it knows the offense is, is more likely to pass, on those downs, the Iowa defense ranks 116th nationally, which, which is hard. I like quadruple checked it because it doesn't add up with most of Iowa's other other defensive stats. Like they're pretty good everywhere else. Do they really just have a problem on third and six or second and nine of of giving up enough yards to at least make that play successful? So far they have. And Nebraska's gonna find itself in 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 those type of situations, even though it's it's a good offense in terms of staying on schedule. You know, it's kind of good on good in in that regard. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to win on those downs. Um, and whether that comes through the run or the pass doesn't matter, but I think a lot of the damage that Nebraska is going to need to do on Friday is going to have to be from, from the passing game. You know, last week we saw, well, quarterback run was, was the biggest part of Nebraska's rushing attack. And then without Diedrich Mills, Nebraska turned to Wandale Robinson and, and he did well. Um, he actually, from a, from a rushing perspective was, was better than he has been really well, certainly against Penn state, but for, for most of 2019 as well, uh, it was an encouraging day for, for what Robinson was able to do, but Nebraska is going to have to going to have to find a way to do some damage in the passing game, which brings me to kind of 
the quarterback decision for Nebraska. And I don't know what practice looked like. I don't know how guys responded to, to this past week, but in a vacuum, so to speak, I think Martinez probably gives the Huskers the best shot. And I think you need to see both guys. I think you need to see both of them on the field at the same time. A little bit of what you saw at Ohio state, like this Iowa defense, um, it's, it's not Ohio state in that the talent just blows you away, but it is in terms of its execution level on defense. It is a defense that you have to scheme around a little bit. You've got to get creative and, and do those things. And this, this coaching staff at Nebraska has shown they have the ability to do that. Uh, this might be one of those. Adrian Martinez is, is not a perfect passer at this point. I think, I think we all know that, but what I've seen of him so far <laughs> indicates that he's probably f- further along and he should be um, just given the, the number of games that he's played further along than, than Luke McCaffrey. And you're, you're going to need that against Iowa. The 2018 Iowa game was probably the best game of Adrian Martinez's career. It's either that or, or 2018 Ohio state and against the Hawkeyes to, to end that 2018 season. Adrian completed 68% of his passes. He had two passing touchdowns to, to one interception. And then he also rushed for 76 yards. I, I expect the rushing yards to be pretty hard to come by uh, against this Iowa team. Nebraska's straight handoff run game hasn't, hasn't been very good, uh, which is why they've leaned on the quarterbacks so hard. Uh, early this season. And that, that was really kind of the story of 2019 too. Uh, I think back to that, that Minnesota game from last year often where Frost basically said, he's like, we need to find some runs at work because the only ones that are, are quarterback runs. And that's, that's where Nebraska's at now. Um, more than a year later, I, I think a lot of that probably comes down to execution on the offensive line, which has been a surprising disappointment. I think given the experience that, that they've had, the offensive line has been good at times. Uh, there have been times where you haven't noticed it, but, but against Illinois, it was, it was not a good day. And for a group that has as much experience as, as Nebraska does, you, you expected it to be better. Um, and I don't know if this is the game for, for that to, to get right, so to speak. You know, we've, we've seen games against Wisconsin the past two years from Nebraska where the Badgers, much like Iowa does year after year, had a really good defense. It's really sound. It's where it needs to be the vast majority of the time. And Nebraska found a way to run the ball against those, those Badger defenses. I don't know if that's totally in the cards for, for the Huskers this week. This is a game where you need something, whoever plays quarterback um, and whoever you think it should be, they need to be accurate. They're, they're, they're not going to be taking a ton of shots downfield. I mean, you can try them. You're probably not going to be successful against it in terms of explosive plays percentage. That's where Iowa really excels. And that's, that's an annual thing. They're third right now in explosive plays percentage allowed second against the run and 11th against the pass. So you're left looking at this as, well, I guess 11th is the area I was quote unquote, the worst in. Um, so you're going to have to find a way to, to have some, have some success there. And it's, it's not an easy task. It's not something Nebraska has put on tape to this point. It's not something they've shown the ability to do, but 
Adrian Martinez at times has has given Nebraska the the best opportunity to do that. You think about the decision to to go to McCaffrey late in the Northwestern game. Uh, it was it was a tough a tough point to make that call, but I but I kind of agreed with with Frost's reasoning at that point that the team needed a spark. Uh, I agreed that McCaffrey probably had earned enough to at least get a look. And you have that Penn State game where Nebraska jumps out to a really big early lead and you you are allowed to kind of coach around some of McCaffrey's limitations. The opposite happens against Illinois and all of a sudden you, you kind of highlight some of his weaknesses. I think the the issue with with Adrian through through two games was that he still looked a lot the same. But for a game like this, I think a lot the same is still puts Nebraska further ahead than maybe the uncertainty of, of another game with, with McCaffrey as the starter, though he needs to play as well. He, he's one of Nebraska's best playmakers, and, and that's evident. So we'll see. Nebraska's going to have to, again, find a way to, to be better in the passing game than it has been to this point. And good luck doing that against a really good defense that's been doing this for a long time. Second on my list, we'll go to the the defensive side. Um, mentioned those those two running backs from Iowa in the the players to watch section, but the Huskers are going to have to find a way to hold up against the run, and the defensive line continues to be encouraging. I think if not, kind of jump off the page. Good um, have have seen some good things from from Stilly and Daniels, which which as the veterans on that on that defensive line, you know, you, you felt pretty good about, but both Casey Rogers and, and Ty Robinson have, have been impressive and they continue to grow game by game. This is an experienced Iowa offensive line. Um, and, and we know that the O-line tradition there is, is strong. So it's, it's going to be a, a pretty big challenge, but Nebraska has to find a way. Oh, and not to mention Will Honus to bring him back. Um, Potentially some some injuries at linebacker that Nebraska is dealing with, which will be a big part of it. And the safety play, you didn't it didn't you didn't see a ton of kind of those shoulder tackles and, and some of the more annoying things for for Husker fans out of the safeties. But coming down in the box, particularly Markel Dismuke, you know they need to have a really strong game from from that perspective as well because Nebraska has to find a way to slow down. Uh, Goodson and, and, and Sargent in, in this one. And, and good luck because it, it hasn't been very easy this season. But you want to do that because at quarterback, Iowa's kind of working through. Well, I don't know if it's working through stuff on its own, but statistically speaking, Nebraska's two quarterbacks have been a slight step ahead of where Iowa starter Spencer Petras has been uh, just in terms of uh, in terms of the passing numbers. It's like he's he's not bad. He he's doing enough to for for Iowa to win three straight games. But if you can put the onus on him, and and the only way to do that is is to stop the run and, and limit the damage that way. Nebraska's got a chance. Um, the secondary will need to be better than it's been. Uh, Iowa's receiving core is pretty good. Kind of the book on Iowa coming into this year was it was as talented at the skill position skill positions as it's, it's been in quite a while. 
offensively, but but the question mark was quarterback, and and that's kind of played out so far. What you wouldn't have expected was was Iowa based on the past two, three seasons to be running the ball as well as it is. So, so credit to those guys. Um, they've, like I said, it's, I, I keep saying this, but Iowa's a really good team and they're, and they're playing at a high level right now in all three phases. And it feels a little bit like a throwback to some of the best Iowa teams of, of the recent past, just because they are, are able to run the ball so well. Um, so Nebraska has got to find a way to, to take at least some of that away, to take enough of that away. Northwestern did it in, in, a, in a one point win in week two. Like Iowa was running the ball uh, and having success, but it wasn't big success. It was the kind of like tepid, patient success that that's tough to deal with. You, you've got to be really kind of devoted to it to stick with it. And I, and I felt like Iowa got away from the run a little bit too early in that game. And still almost beat Northwestern, which, you know, has a stranglehold on the West Division now following following the win over Wisconsin. So could have won that game very easily. Perhaps perhaps should have won it. Um, so that's that's point number two. Last on the on the list, I, I try to avoid doing this wherever possible, but it just it, it jumps out so much here. I'm going to play the reluctant turnover card. I know, I know. It feels like it feels like a cop out. Like, of course, if you could just say, "Well, a key to the game is winning the turnover margin." Like, you'd be pretty good. You'd win a lot of games if you could just lock that in. Problem is, you can't. Um, all of these coaches, all of these teams preach the value of takeaways. They preached value of ball security. I've said it a million times over the past eight or nine seasons covering Nebraska football and just, just football in general. Like, yep, you could mention turnovers as a key to the game every single week, but good luck like coaching that. How do, how do you game plan for that? I, I know there are things you can do, like having the right call at the right time might net you an interception, but fumbles are, are kind of total a total crapshoot for, for the most part. I'm going to turnovers here against my better judgment, specifically because Iowa's plus seven right now and Nebraska's minus five on the year. Hawkeyes have played have played one more game, but if that kind of proportional disparity holds on Friday, Iowa's going to win and it's going to cover. Like it's simple as that. Nebraska probably can't lose the turnover battle here, maybe by one, and expect to be in the game. If it plays even, it's getting a little bit closer. It's going to be tough to win based on where both teams have been, but do that and you're then you're really cooking with with peanut oil. Uh, that's another Thanksgiving reference. Be careful if you're frying a turkey right now. Uh, I think this does primarily come down to to interceptions. Again, again, fumbles are they're maddening, and I'm not even a football coach. Um, opened a, a football a football yearbook story a couple of years ago. Uh, inhale varsity ding subscribe today uh, with the line fumbles are dumb it's probably the truest thing I've, I've ever written it's uh, they're just yeah they're dumb they happen there's not much you can do about it ball comes out it bounces in funny ways it's it's like the the Benny Hill music of, of football but interceptions are a, a little bit more at least skill and scheme based or can be um, you get dumb throws from quarterbacks. Uh, you get unlucky bounces, all that sort of stuff. But 
interceptions are, are at least a little bit more controllable. Iowa's secondary has six INTs this year. There's also, of course, the D-line, the amazing D-line interception. And then I think uh, the Hawkeyes have one more from, from a linebacker, so eight interceptions total. But six of those have come from the secondary. It's a group that's that's pretty good at that. Nebraska's thrown six interceptions so far, which which is obviously a problem, was a big part big part of the that Illinois game. Nebraska might be able to get away with one. That's what they threw in, in 2018. In that 2018 game, Nebraska, if you recall, you know, went into that one as I think about a nine and a half or ten point underdog. So not that far off where they're at for this game. Um and played really well. It was aggressive uh, in terms of not just its play calling, um, but also some of its in-game decisions, uh, I, I recall from that game. And you're probably going to need that too. And, and maybe playing so poorly against Illinois frees Nebraska up a bit to to really just be like, what the hell, let's let's go for it and let's, let's push it. Flip it around to win. Iowa has the ball, and Nebraska might need two interceptions on the day. Offense right now, it's it's really clear, needs that help. All three of Nebraska's interceptions this season ha- have led to points. And, and really, you can kind of credit turnovers with a little bit of Iowa's rapid rise here over the past month. Last week against Penn State, the Hawkeyes scored 24 points off of four takeaways. And it, it was it was a 20-point game. You know, I mean, Iowa controlled that game and did did a good job overall. But you look at that and Penn State, sort of like against Nebraska, avoids those turnovers. You're, it's probably closer than that that final score indicated. Wasn't so much the case three weeks ago when when Iowa kind of kicked things off. They were sitting there at 0-2 with a Michigan State team that had just beaten Michigan um, coming to town and rolled the Spartans. Went plus three against Michigan State in in takeaways or in turnovers and ended up getting 14 points off of those in a 49-7 win. So you've got two, if you're just looking at the the bottom line, the, the scoreboard, uh, and not even digging into the box score, you got two impressive wins in which Iowa scored more than forty points uh, against Michigan State and Penn State, and they were they were plus three in turnovers both games. So that's why it's here. That's why I think it's a, a a pretty big key to the game for the for the Huskers on Friday. And it's 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 another thing that they really haven't done all that well of late. I don't know if a quarterback change or even shared quarterback duties can can help you with that. It's really about valuing the football and kind of coaching coaching those quarterbacks, I think in particular, to to see things and make good decisions. And that's one of those things that you don't often have to worry about with a team like Iowa. And it's probably, well, almost certainly its biggest advantage on Friday. That'll wrap another episode of the I-80 Preview Podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, et cetera, et cetera, you can, you can reach the show at I-80 at HaleVarsity.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Um, again, always always happy to, to talk through some of these things. If you have questions, want some additional context on, on anything that's discussed here, or 
want something that hasn't been discussed here on the table. Um, let's, let's talk through it and, and, and see what we can do. Uh, keep an eye on, on hail varsity, obviously for, for game coverage, basketball season is, is back up and running. Uh, so we'll have plenty on that. We'll of course have the, the football game on Friday covered from, uh, snout to tail to go back to, to the, the ham re- references earlier, I guess. Um, but also keep an eye on, on hail varsity social media. We've got some exciting, uh, subscription promotions coming up around the holiday. So if you've been thinking about subscribing to hail varsity, if you'd like to get it as, as a gift for somebody this holiday season, we would really, really appreciate that. Um, and think it's a great product. That's, that's worth your while. So again, not knowing where exactly we collectively exist in time as you listen to this. Hope you have or or had a great Thanksgiving. Hope your 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 three star turkey played like a five star. Um, if you're a ham person, even though we talked about this, look for the five star ham. It's good. You can you can you can win a lot of Thanksgiving games with 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 two star ham, but if you want to win the holiday playoff sooner or later you're gonna you're gonna need some five-star ham and believe me it's, it's worth every penny even though it's a pretty sizable investment so thanks again for listening and uh, we'll chat next week a hood at media production